Sir Charles Pollard, what constitutes proof in these cases? A very large number of studies, including, of course, the one we've been talking about today, but lots of other studies, numerous studies around the world, which have shown that generally for certain offences, but not for some others, the principles of restorative justice work well. That's my interpretation. And what are the criteria for it working well? First of all, to have neutral and very effective facilitation. Secondly, to have processes which involve victims and enable victims particularly to, to feel able to want to come and therefore you get a large number of conferences. Mm. Offenders too, but offenders generally, yeah. there's never been many issues about them wanting to go on a restorative conference as opposed to going to court. So when you say uh, we've proved, or it has been proved, that restorative justice works, what is the nature of that proof? Right. It is that overall, if you take the victim participation, in virtually every scheme which has been run professionally, there is very great satisfaction of victims as compared to going to court, for example very significantly different. Secondly, on reoffending, it's not quite so clear on reoffending, but there are a large number of schemes where there has been significantly reduced reoffending or indications of reduced reoffending, much more than we've generally got, for example, from things which involve the courts. So those, I think, are very big bonuses for something which is fairly new. Roderick Hill, do you think it's been proved that restorative justice works or that the evidence so far suggests it does? Well, you've got to ask yourself, what do you mean by works? What are the aims of restorative justice? We've talked quite a bit about reoffending, victim satisfaction. But you've got to look at what the aims are of restorative justice, and some of those aims are sort of unprovable, as it were. I mean, you can look at reoffending rates, but like I said, they're not the whole picture. You can look at victim satisfaction, and you can look at the repair of the harm. So what are the unprovable elements? Well, when some of the unprovable elements are whether repairing the harm has sort of strengthened the community. And those are very sort of intangible and difficult to measure, but quite possibly something that restorative justice achieves. So that's something which is unprovable, but you would say the potential is there. The potential is there, and you can see signs, you can see by talking to victims and offenders, by them telling you that they get on better with their parents or that they've spoken to the victim who they didn't speak to before. A lot of cases a victim might know an offender, and then that that relationship's been damaged by the offence, and through the restorative conference, that might have been repaired. So, Charles, is this a legal process or is it not? Is it quasi-legal? What is it in the end? That's a good question, which uh, most people are spending a lot of time trying to answer. There are different views within the restorative justice movement, too. There are some who would say this should come from the community and shouldn't involve the courts or legal people at all. I personally think that it could be described as quasi-legal in the sense that if you implement it in a way in which it becomes complementary to the main criminal justice system, if you like the missing link, because it's a very legalistic system we have, it doesn't really get to the emotional harm at all. Mm. So if you bring in something which does address that emotional harm, which also reduces reoffending linked with other things and also helps victims of crime and also strengthens the communities, then I would say it is quasi-legal. But records will be kept, and if the person reoffends in future, is it possible for the court to say, hey, let's have a look at these records? Uh, yes, I mean, that's the situation at the moment for a very short number of years in relation to young offenders. It's not sufficiently developed with adult mm. offenders yet, although I think it will be. But there will need to be rules like that, mm. so that will make it even more quasi-legal into almost a legal system. Uh, and what about some of the perhaps dangers as regards individual rights? In a legal system, the person who is accused is defended, has access to a defence. A solicitor would be present. In these instances, perhaps a 10-year-old, 11-year-old girl there who is confessing to something won't have legal representation. 
Is that damaging potentially to her rights? Well, this comes back to having proper standards and proper training. The whole essence of the Thames Valley Scheme was we had very clear protocols of how police officers were to operate in dealing with the system, to be absolutely fair on this. I've never come across any complaints on that score over many thousands of conferences, although there could have been things. And another thing about restorative justice, all the evidence from Australia actually is that Comparing restorative justice processes to court processes with a direct comparison, people who went through restorative justice thought they were significantly fairer than going through the court process, significantly. Roderick Hill, can we look at now the crimes for which this would not be appropriate, this process? Are we saying that anything that could bring a jail sentence with it, uh, that sort of crime, is not suited for restorative justice? What's the cut-off point? I don't think there is a cut-off point. I think that crimes where there will be a jail sentence, restorative justice can be involved. Well, you'd say murder, for a start, would you? Rape? Would what? you say it was so that this, this uh, system could work in those cases? Well, what I think you've got to do is, is move away from restorative justice, the model, i.e. the conference with the victims and the offenders that we've been looking at, and look at it more as an approach. Mm. Obviously, you have to tread very carefully, but there's nothing to say that, say, if the victim wants to have some say... In, in those crimes. That could be considered a restorative approach if the victim's needs are taken into account. But the, that would have to be built in as part of the, as it were, conventional uh, judicial process, mm -hmm. that, that there would be a prosecution, evidence presented, the person found guilty and otherwise, and then it would be in that context that the victim would be given an opportunity of t talking to, mm -hmm. expressing their concerns, perhaps having a view in the sentencing. But it would be in addition, as it were, to the prosecution, not in place of. Yes, and that's the way that restorative justice seems to have gone in this country. If you're going to implement restorative justice, one argument from some purists would be to do away with the criminal justice system and replace it with a restorative justice system. But really the way it's gone is to sort of become uncomfortable bedfellows with the present criminal justice system and perhaps that way grow within that system, begin to take it over maybe. They have different approaches, but they can sit together. So you could have a court case, you can have part of the sentence being taking part in a restorative justice conference, for example. So, Charles, what crimes do you think are not suited to this process? The very, very personal crimes like rape, sexual offences and probably domestic violence are ones where I think there's been very little experience of trying to do that because it is just thought to be so problematic because you can end up with the victim of the crime being re-victimised. It could be almost as bad as the original crime. What if you, you have to face the person you exactly, raped you? Particularly with rape. Uh, yes. On the other hand, with domestic violence, there has been some experience in Canada where they seem to have done a scheme which worked well. So it's a question of learning over time to see if it can be used in those situations with, with very special safeguards. But that element of restorative justice, which is the victim having an opportunity to tell the offender how they have been affected, that is something that perhaps could be introduced almost into every process or with every crime. In principle, it can. It's all back to the whole issue of whether the power balance within the conference. If you're putting a victim in a situation where they're really in a power situation where they're going to be almost re-victimised again, then that is pretty serious. But there are ways in which these things can be managed, I think, where you can overcome those problems. So from what I gather in both the instances we've looked at and other cases, the right of the victim to be involved in the process is one that is largely conceded and will probably grow. That's right. I would hope that that would happen. And I think that there's uh, where the, this will really move into mainstream criminal justice is where, as restorative justice approaches develop... More and more victims of crime think this is good, get involved and come forward. More and more offenders actually decide they'll plead guilty rather than trying to take the world on when they've clearly committed a crime. 
And that will actually be quite a major turning point for the whole criminal justice system.